Alright, whoever you are, wherever you are, gather around as we start to talk about that squishy, pink, mysterious organ that controls everything we do. No, not that one. I'm talking about your brain. And boy, 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 does it ever control our response to change. Today we're talking all about navigating change in the brain-based workplace, but fear not, my fellow adventurers, for science has given us some tools to navigate the treacherous waters of change management. First up, we're going to be talking about how change should be initially justified and then continually justified. We're going to be talking about how the brain is wired to resist change, but how it's also actually designed to constantly change. And lastly, we're going to be talking about how people engage with change when it matters to them. So strap on your lab coats and let's get into it. All right, it is Dave here, your friendly neighborhood organizational neuroscientist, and I am here to talk to you about navigating change in the brain-based workplace. And let's face it, every workplace is a brain-based workplace. But when it comes to change, it's really important to not just dive in headfirst like a madman or a madwoman or a mad them on a bender, right? Change should be initially justified and then continually justified. You're not gonna just, just you're not just going to run up and, and jump off a cliff without a parachute, not knowing anything about the water below, would you? No. You you'd want to make sure that there is a really good reason for you to be jumping off that cliff. And the same goes for change in the workplace, because once we're over that edge it's really hard to, to come back. So once you've got that justification, now you need to create a compelling vision of change. And look, we can look at things like neurochemistry and cognitive neuroscience for, for understanding this a little bit deeper. And we know that dopamine, that neurotransmitter that's associated with things like motivation and reward, it gets released in response to clear and specific goals. And this is why we need to create that compelling vision. Creating that compelling vision of change helps to activate the brain's reward system. And what this does is it increases motivation towards the change. So this is kind of like giving your brain a little shot of adrenaline to get it going. And it goes, ooh, that, that sounds interesting. I want more. And now I'm interested in this thing that we're talking about. Now, of course, it's not just enough to create a vision and, and expect everybody to jump on board. And I'm going to talk a little bit about how we can do that more on an ind individual level a little later. But first up, let's start at the, at the start. Firstly, you have to continuously, and I mean continuously, communicate the benefits of the change. When we start to change, we run into things like change fatigue and change resistance, not just at the start, but even people who are really engaged at the beginning can become a little bit fatigued and can grow that resistance as we go through. So there is a need to continuously communicate the benefits of, of change. And we, we know this uh, because when we look at things like social rewards, like praise and recognition, these actually activate the same neural pathways as other rewards like money. So continuously co communicating the benefits, this helps us to activate the brain's reward system and increase engagement and motivation towards the change. And like I said, this is a cup that we have to continually fill up. So it's like dangling that juicy carrot in front of a horse to get it to move. You know, sometimes they want a little bit of a taste of that carrot, but you know what? We also want it to be just a little bit far out of reach so that we've all got a reason to keep on moving forward. 
Now, there are things that you can do to boost this and to help this out and to make it a little bit more effective. And a great thing here is to use data to justify this change. Whenever we start any change project, that's where we always start. We're like, well, what is the need for this change? Do we actually need it? Is there other ways? Because change is hard. Change can be messy and change is always met with some form of resistance. So if we don't need to do it, don't do it. And I have people all the time saying, hey, come on in and pick my business apart. And I'm like, why? Why do we need to do that is my first question. What do you want to be different in here? How is it going to benefit you? How is it going to benefit the mission and the vision of the organization? How is it going to benefit profitability? How is it going to benefit the people? How is it going to benefit the customers and the employees and the, and the stakeholders and the shareholders? So we need to be thinking about these things first. And if they're is reason to justify it, we should be able to find data to support that. And the why that is important is we know that people are more likely to engage with change when it aligns with their cognitive biases and their own personal decision-making process. So by using data to justify change, we can actually help to activate their brain's cognitive processes, and that is going to increase the likelihood of them buying into the change. It's basically like giving their brain a little puzzle to solve and then rewarding them with a solution really quickly. So they get all of this satisfaction and they go, well, that sounds cool. I'm interested. Now, navigating brain, uh, nav nav navigating brain, gosh, navigating change in the brain-based workplace is all about understanding how the brain works and using that knowledge and leveraging that knowledge to your advantage so to justify your change, create a compelling vision, continuously communicate the benefits and use data to justify it all. It's like navigating a treacherous river. You've got to have a plan. You've got to have a strong boat. You've got to have the right tools and you've got to have the right people on the boat to use those tools so that you make it to the other side. So grab your oars, folks, and start paddling towards that brighter future, towards that transformation and use the science of change and how it affects your brain in the world place to help make it a little bit of a smoother ride because the thing is like our brains are actually wired to resist change right we're actually wired to uh, seek out things that are familiar to us seek out things that are that make us feel safe and make us feel belong like we belong and so our brains are naturally wary of change we, you know we are creatures of habits we always want to stick to what we know but at the here's the paradox right at the same time, our brains are constantly changing. It's like we are constantly updating our own operating systems. So you need to be able to overcome that initial resistance and then guide that constant change that is already happening in a much more natural, a much more organic uh, organic way. And the, the real key to navigating change in the workplace is not to try and force a square peg into a round hole and accept the fact that that square peg is always going to be a square peg. So instead of trying to just smush them all together, you need to think about creating an environment for change that feels natural and avoids resistance and avoids fatigue. And a lot of the time, and even the way that I was taught, and I've been working in change for around about 20 years now, and what we were taught was always around change plans. And change plans are great, 
but change plans need to be considered in the context of an environment for change. And that environment for change needs to be one that guides that square peg where you need it to go. It's, it's, it's like this, right? If we try to jam that square peg into a round hole, it's not going to work. There's going to be, and the only way that it will ever work is if there's if we create enough friction to do damage to either the square peg or the round hole. Instead, you should be focusing on how you can create a hole that's already the right shape for the peg, right? So try and create a hole that's already the right shape for the peg, the peg being your people if you're not following along. Now, we when we do that, we can make change feel like it's already happening because change is already happening. And instead of trying to force that change, instead we're directing that change and we're directing it in the direction that we want it to go so that it arrives at the destination that we want it to arrive at. And when we do that, we're not fighting against people's brain's natural resistance to change. We're actually working with it and we're engaging it so that we can amplify their wants and their needs and their desires and their goals and their outcomes so that they are not even willingly coming along with us, but that they are just naturally coming along with us. And I'm going to get into a bit of an idea on how we can do that when we're talking about, you know, dealing with change with a whole bunch of people, because I know what you're thinking. Yeah, it sounds great. But, you know, I've got a team of 100 that I'm trying to push through here. So I'll, I'll give you some ideas on how science helps us to figure that out a little bit later. But before we do, I want to talk about the brain's natural plasticity. And this is really where the magic happens. And this is where you need to sort of take the time to understand, okay, change is already happening. You know, so if change is already happening. I just need to do things that make the right changes. Um, and that's exactly what you need to be thinking of. And, and neuroplasticity, it's really important for things like learning and for memory. And this is the brain's ability to rewire itself, to adapt to new circumstances. And guess what? Change is an opportunity for brain growth and for adaptation. And that's something that we crave. That's something that we want. So long as it doesn't put our sense of safety and belonging at jeopardy. You know, this is like change is actually like giving your brain a, a gym membership. Your brain will thank you so long as it's heading in the right direction. You know, hey, we can't think of anything worse than, you know, having to go and pump up your arms on leg day. Gosh, I even found it hard to get through that. I don't even, <laughs> don't even know what that means. All right, let's move on. So we know that our brains are a little bit of a resistance to change. We also know that they are changing constantly anyway. But our brains also crave a sense of control and a sense of autonomy. So we know that our brain's reward system is activated when people feel like they have control over their environment and that they've got some autonomy in that environment. So if you want to reduce resistance to change, you need to provide your team with a sense of control over the change process. And, and think about it like this. It's like giving them a steering wheel and letting them help to navigate the change process. So now I want you to imagine uh, a car that's heading down a really, really, really wide highway and everybody in that car has got a steering wheel. Now think about how much traction you're actually going to get. 
You're going to have one. You're probably going to have a few people trying to drive in the wrong direction. Probably get just for fun, just to just to really mess everybody else up. People heading in the right direction. People just wanting to stop and pull over at Macca's because they're hungry. Other people that want to pull over because they need to go to the bathroom. Like there's a lot going on. So how do we get them all heading in the right direction? Well, a great place to start is with emotions. And change can trigger negative emotions like anxiety and fear, but we can counteract those emotions with positive emotions like excitement and hope. And cognitive neuroscience has shown us that the brain's emotional regulation network can be modulated through cognitive reappraisal techniques like emphasizing positive aspects of a situation. So this is basically like switching from the doom and the gloom news. Oh, this many people dead and there's another of this and there's another of this. And you're thinking, gosh, why do I even watch the news? And then they cut to that segment of a, of a I don't know, a squirrel riding water skis being pulled around by a duck. And you're like, oh, now I feel better about everything. All of the world's problems have been solved by that water skiing squirrel. And it sounds silly, but that's the effect that positive emotions and positive effects have. And when we emphasize those positive emotions, we activate the brain's emotional regulation network. And what that does is it reduces the impact of the negative emotions that we have. And the same thing happens with change. We can allow for those negative emotions. We can even address them and bring them up to try and reframe them. But we can also impact them with positive emotions, and that can work to reducing the impact of those negative emotions. So navigating change in the workplace, it's all about working with people's brains and not against their brains. Naturally, we want to resist, but we're also geared to adapt and to make small changes. So the need, don't focus on the change plan. The change plan is just the instructions for the recipe. You've got to think about what kitchen you're cooking in. You've got to think about what equipment you've got. And you've got to think about who's going to be eating the yummy, 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 yummy treats that you're cooking up in that kitchen. Do they even like it? Are you making a, a steak for a vegetarian? And when we create environments for change that feel natural and feel organic and they emphasize the benefits of neuroplasticity and they provide a sense of control and autonomy and they use positive emotions to counteract our negative emotions, when we do that, we allow people to adapt to change with ease and with flexibility on their own terms. So, Keep on changing so long as that change is, is justified and ride that wave of neuroplasticity all the way to the finish line, all the way to a successful change, plan and project and environment. But here's the real key. And this is sort of, this sums up everything that I've said so far already. People only engage with change when it matters to them. No matter how hard we want people to get on our bus or align with our vision or believe in the dream that we're selling, they could do all of that stuff. But unless this change matters to them, they won't engage with it. Because let's, let's, let's go back to the, the hard truth here. Change is hard. It is difficult. Our brains are hardwired to resist it. And that's just the way it is. But we can hack the system to make it easier. 
Now we know people only engage with change when it matters to them. And that means connecting with them on a personal emotional level. And this means that you need to connect with your team using things like cognitive analysis, effective analysis, and uh, motivational analysis as well. You need to show them how this will change, how this change is going to improve their lives, not just yours, not just the organization. How is it going to help them get closer to their goals? How is it going to help them uh, benefit their own lives for themselves and their family and then their community or whoever is important to them. It needs to be meaningful and significant to them. Now, again, I know what you're probably thinking, all right, Dave, but how do I do this with 100 different employees? And this is where social neuroscience comes in. Now, we know that individual differences in brain structure and function influence things like social cognition processes. Uh, including empathy and including perspective taking. So what this means is that everybody processes things differently. Everybody has a different approach to empathy and perspective taking, and we can't just do a one size fits all. Now, of course, it comes back to ROI, but if you can, if you've got the time and if you've got the resources, you need to be taking an individualized approach to change management. And this means recognizing and addressing the individual differences in communication style and emotional regulation and motivators and drivers and all of these things that are going to increase engagement and buy-in. And yes, we can do this at scale now. We can provide individual attention and personalized plans for people at scale. And it comes down to understanding them on a cognitive and emotional and a motivational level, a personal, really deep level. So how do you actually get people to care in the first place? How do we get to that point? Well, look, we use tools like QEEG. We scan people's brains and get a whole bunch of this data. But without that, you can do the old-fashioned way and have a conversation with them. Talk to them, listen to them, get them to listen to your vision of change, get them to get use things like storytelling to help them connect with their emotions and when we use stories, we know that actually stories are great because we even know through neuroimaging that storytelling activates multiple areas of the brain, which is involved in social cognition and emotional regulation. So storytelling can increase engagement and also motivation towards change. But you can't just tell somebody a nice story and expect them to come along. It doesn't, like it's this great idea, but it doesn't always work. So what happens if you've crafted a great story and your, your, your team still aren't buying it? What if they just don't see the point, right? What if they just like, do we need this? How many times have you heard it and said, oh, do we really need this? I think the way it is, is fine. That's where purpose and meaning come in because our brains are wired to seek purpose and meaning. And remember, this is all about working with the brain and, and, and swimming in the direction that the brain's already going in. It's not about trying to fight against it. It's not about doing things the hard way. And by having a sense of purpose and a sense of meaning, this activates the brain's reward system and it increases motivation. So you need to emphasize the purpose and the meaning behind a change initiative to help activate the brain's reward system and to increase engagement and a motivation towards the change. And you need to do that on two sides. 
you need to find and communicate the purpose and meaning for yourself and for the organization, but you also need to find and communicate the sense of purpose and meaning for the individual, for the team, what's in it for them. It's dangling that carrot in front of the horse and making them move forward because, but what happens if they don't like carrots? You know, what happens if a bit of cake would be better or a big crisp hundred dollar bill would be better or a ticket to, or two tickets for them and their partner to go and spend a week in Hawaii. You know, what is the thing that you need to be dangling in front of them? Maybe they don't even care about that. Maybe it's about the purpose, the intrinsic purpose, the what it means to them, how it's going to help them become the best version of themselves, how it's going to push them outside their comfort zone and allow them to grow and allow them to become uh, a more well-rounded human being. So look, let, let me, all of that can be summed up by, by some, a really simple concept. So let me break it down for you, friends. When we encounter change, what we're trying to do is our brains release a chemical called dopamine, right? That neurotransmitter responsible for motivation. And that's what we're trying to do. That's what gives us that feel-good feeling when we achieve something that we've been working towards. And if we don't achieve something that we don't, if we, sorry, if we achieve something that we don't care about, we don't really get that big hit. But when we experience a sense of purpose and meaning, this is when our brains release even more dopamine and that gives us an extra boost of motivation and that makes us go, yeah, this is pretty good. Let's keep going with this thing. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. So if you want your team to engage with change, tap into their neurochemistry, tap into their brain chemistry, connect with them on a personal and an emotional level and recognize and address their individual differences. Now you can do this by encouraging things like self-reflection. You you can do this by having, yes, one-on-one conversations are great, but we don't always have time for that. So give them tools for personal reflection and for personal analysis. Use storytelling to engage their emotions. Emphasize the purpose and the meaning behind the change for you and for them. And when you do this, this is how you can hack the system and you can make change work for you. Doesn't mean that you should throw your project, your your change plan out the window. You need a change plan, but that change plan needs to be considered and executed in the context of a complete and a holistic change environment. So when you go to navigate change, just remember, It's tough, it's hard, it's no easy feat. But you can hack the system, you can make it work for you, and it's all about connecting with employees on a personal and emotional level, recognizing their differences, and making sure that we're, you know, to put it in a different way, embrace people's inner weirdness. Everybody's a little bit weird. Let them be weird. Weird is awesome. Weird is amazing. Plain, boring, vanilla, actually, I love vanilla ice cream, but those things are not exciting right? Let's let's let people be a little bit weird. Let them bring it out. Connect with them on a personal level. People just want to be treated like humans. That's it. So if you let them know that you care about their role in this, you care about them coming out on the other side better than what they started, and you make sure that they're along for the ride, you're, you're three quarters of the way there, guys. 
And that is all that we've got time for today. We talked about the brain. We talked about the mystical art of change management. But you might still be thinking, what's the point of all of this? Why should we care about creating a compelling vision or using positive emotions to counteract negative ones? Well, the answer is simple, my friends. We are in this game of life for the long haul. We need to constantly adapt and evolve, or we risk becoming obsolete like the fax machine or the VCR, or even worse, obsolete and unremembered like the mini disc. But change is hard and our brains are wired to resist it. But you can use neuroscience-based strategies to overcome it, to help you hack your brains and those around you so that you can make change seem less scary. So it's time to put these strategies into action. Go out and create a compelling vision, so compelling that it makes our brains tingle with excitement. Make sure you're communicating the benefits of change until your team are sick of hearing about it. Give everybody a sense of control. Let them feel like they've all got their own steering wheel and they're all a captain of their own brain ship. And tell some damn good stories along the way that make everybody feel like they're part of something bigger. Yes, it is a wild and a crazy world out there, but with a little neuroscience on our side, we can navigate the stormy seas of change like the badass brainiacs that we are. So go forth, friends. Change the world. Don't forget to have a little fun along the way. After all, life is too short to be serious all the time. And until next time, keep exploring, keep learning, Keep that prefrontal cortex firing. Bye now.